2: Twelve twenty. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
1: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about? We could talk about. We could talk about the stock market. Sure. We could talk about investing. We could talk about 401ks and golf. Anytime I see the drama that was as exciting as it was on Sunday, where I'm not sure if you were watching, I'm not sure if you care. Sort of Speeth won his second 2015 major in as many tries. 21 uh, year old Texan nailed down the victory after Dustin Johnson somehow three putted the 18th green, where his wife, his child, his father in law, the greatest hockey player in history, About 10 million strangers were all watching. Choke. He'll be back. But Spieth is the president and future of golf right now. He's the hero golf has been looking for, oh, since 2009 Thanksgiving, when Tiger Woods basically got beat up by his wife and crashed a car. Um... Fox has to be thrilled with what they saw on Sunday because golf coverage went into prime time and it was exciting and someone blew it. Uh, Now, Greg Norman was the color guy for the open. And what's interesting is Greg Norman has a career of of basically he's one of the toughest guys out there. He's one of the best golfers in history. He won two majors, four other tournaments, but He choked five or six tournaments and had stolen from him. They didn't go, how does it, Greg, tell us how Dustin Johnson is feeling. They didn't do that. Uh, They should have. But also take a look at Under Armour, Nike, and Callaway. They're all crushing the S&P 500 uh, as far as performance goes. Now, that kind of worries me because, like, you look at the course and it's crap, right? And you walk around California or you look around California and it's dry and we hear drought. Um, so it's tough to get a feel for how golf is doing, but those three stocks, all golf stocks, all doing very, very well. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, email came in that says something along the lines, is there a website to rank stocks by dividend yield and history of dividend yield?
3: I find this wildly interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I I think it's probably asking the wrong question. Well, yeah, because to pick stocks just simply by their dividend yield can get you into a lot of trouble. Um, I mean, for example, you could find an MLP, Master Limited Partnership, publicly traded stock, like Magellan Midstream, which is a stock that I used to own. And uh, you could say, oh, gosh, it's got a great yield. But people don't realize that some of that yield is a return of capital. And so as you receive that income in a taxable account, your cost basis actually drops and you don't even really notice it until you go to sell it and then you're paying taxes on more than you thought. Um, also, you get a K-1 that could force you to do an uh, extension because K-1s don't tend to come until after April. Um, and uh, that's actually a pretty good area to invest. It's been a very successful area to invest is, is match Limited Partnerships. There's different ways to do it. Problem is, is if you're buying stocks, you don't know, and all you're doing is the dividend yield, two things happen. Number one, if you get into a credit crisis situation or a rising rate environment, those stocks can get hammered. They can get hammered. You might have, end up being in a, in a preferred share. that You don't know the company very well, and interest rates rise, and you can lose 20%. So there's some good high-yielding stocks out there, but to just invest in stocks for the yield, and you don't know what the dividend coverage is, is how they're paying for that dividend? Are they borrowing money? Continue to pay for that dividend? It's a horrible way to do it. Like one
1: stock I own, AT and T. It's got a great dividend yield, but there's another stock that has a similar dividend yield that, like annually Mortgage, that mm-hmm. I'm not going to touch. Um, one's dealing with mortgages. One's dealing with you know business phones and data plans, and I, I trust the cash flow of one more so than I trust the cash flow of another. Mm-hmm. Um, so hunting for yield is the wrong way of going about it. Right. It's something you've talked about recently is when you put together a portfolio of income uh, or a portfolio designed to create and generate income is you kind of have to do a little bit of this, a
3: little bit of that, a little bit of this, mm-hmm. and a little bit of that. It's not as easy as one size fits all. No, I just I like, I like dividend achievers. So that idea that you've talked about, mergers, dividend achievers, which NASDAQ bought the rights to that indexing approach. Um, companies that have a history of raising their dividend, on average, by about 10% a year. But you look at free cash flow and how they're paying for their dividend. And even you look at, at AT&T, they've got a great you know, history of raising their dividend by something like 5.5% or to 10% a year on average. But you look down the road, and if they don't start increasing revenues, there's going to be an issue, which is one of the reasons why they're doing the deal that they're doing right now. It's to try to increase that revenue in the long run so they can continue their, their payout ratio. And then there's companies like Apple who borrow money to you know, help fund their dividend. Yeah, they've, they've got plenty of cash to fund their dividend. The issue is that a lot of that cash is overseas. So yeah. tax reasons, which is what a lot of companies are doing, They say, you know what, we can actually issue debt to do some of these buybacks and some of these dividend increases and create even more value for shareholders because of our ridiculous tax code here in the U.S. It is pretty ridiculous. It's horrible. I mean, oh. it's they, they say here's 35% corporate tax, but yet here's all these loopholes. And so in just, instead of making it simple and say, okay, just pay a 15% flat tax, which the government would probably make more money, take away all the loopholes, cut the taxes in half, and the government would probably have more revenue. It just Instead, it creates jobs for CPAs and attorneys and to, do, to try all these fancy ways to avoid the system.
1: What are some of the stock screens you would put in if you're trying to identify a good dividend-paying stock?
3: Um, well, again, free cash flow, looking at where the money is coming from and how they can cover it. And I think those are the biggest issues without getting too boring for morning radio. Okay, I'll come with you. To get your calls on the air, you can always call 800-516-1220. It's
1: 800-516-1220. You can find CFP Chad Burton online at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of big investors are fleeing stocks right now. Jill Carey. Uh, at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch wrote that clients' net sales of stocks amounted to about $4.1 billion last week. That's the large chunk of sales since January of 2008. After three weeks of net buying, institutional clients' net sales last week were the largest in data history. Hedge funds were net sellers for the ninth consecutive week, while private clients bought stocks last week following the previous week's net sales. Um, the strategist is basically saying, like, hey, big money is thinking the market's getting poised to move lower. So investors have pulled the most money out of healthcare and financial stocks. Last week, outflows from healthcare were the largest on record. Um, investors pulled the most out of government bonds last week since the so called taper tantrum of 2013. Um, so that's interesting. Big money is saying, I'm not saying, I'm not speaking for all big money, but a lot of big money uh, is selling 4.1 last, 4.1 billion last week. Now, it doesn't mean that's right, but it is pretty interesting. A Fox News anchor, and I love this story. (laughs) Uh, Oh, it's so lucky it didn't get, you know, bad. A Fox News anchor narrowly avoided disaster last week when he had a throwing axe demonstration live on television. (laughs) He missed the target, and since he's doing it outside, it basically hits a drummer on his buttocks uh, without the sharp side of the blade. Had it been the sharp side of the blade, he might have killed the guy. I love Fox News. I love live television, don't you? I'm Rob Black. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. for listening to the show i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more hopefully you like the show hopefully you're getting something out of it um i do my best to make it good Um, it doesn't always come across as perfect i know that Uh, u.s homes new homes rose to a seven-year high in may New U.S. single-family home sales increased in May to a more than seven-year high, further brightening the outlook for the housing market and the broader economy. Um, Basically, we've had strong retail sales, consumer sentiment, strong employment data that suggests the economy is gaining speed after it started to slump at the start of the year. It slumped at the start of last year. It slumped at the start of the year year before. We're pretty much so on to that story, right? Housing stocks, in my opinion, are ready to break out with existing home sales surging to a five and a half year high and new home sales looking good. I think housing stocks, companies that build homes, um, it's a pretty sweet place to put money right now. It may not be as sweet as say a tech company that's sexy and ooh la la. uh, but I think it's okay. I think that's where you're going to get some performance in the next six months. Walmart said in a statement that it's removing all items promoting the Confederate flag for sale from its stores and its website. We never want to offend anyone with our products, they say. They're the world's largest retailer with nearly 11,000 stores in 28 countries. Big loser here is China, who manufactures cheap crap like Confederate flags. Um, I don't know. I'll let someone else argue the Confederate flag story. Pros and cons, it's not for me to do. Apple got a big PR boost from a Swift scolding. I think this was an orchestrated fake argument. I don't think Taylor Swift's got an IQ higher than 70, which makes her quote-unquote dull. She managed to get the tech behemoth Apple, company not known for backing down from a fight to reverse its decision. Apple looks great. Taylor Swift looks great. Uh, but Spotify pays for its free ser- uh, trials, as does um, Pandora. There was no one thinking that Apple would be able to get away with it. Um, so I just think that was a very orchestrated, let's play the consumer PR move. Molly Crew bassist Nikki Six has come out on CNBC to say that Apple has enough money and they should give more to. Um, artists, and I'm sorry to say, but I think he's wrong. Um, if Nicky Six wants to share his ridiculous amounts of groupies with me, just because I say so, uh, he would say, why don't you learn to play the guitar like I did? I think Six should learn to play, should learn to build music devices. It would be like asking um, Disney, to pay the TV makers, or the TV makers to pay Disney. No. Millennials like saving money. They want to save more. They're doing good. In a relatively quick period of time, they've become very, very financially savvy. Uh, They could do better. I think we all can. Uh, I think that's worthy of note. Blackberry showed some promising results in software, but again, they missed expectations. They're working on new phones that foster worker productivity. Um, I don't see anything there yet. Speaking of not seeing this, I didn't see this one coming at all. Online razors. There was a CEO of a company called Dollar Shave Club that a couple years ago, he would make provocative videos. And one of them, for instance, he would say, our blades are effing great. But you actually say the word in the video, right? Listen to this. Gillette... And this gets this gets kind of interesting in my world, because do you remember watching the Super Bowl? And every year, Gillette would introduce the Mach 2, the Mach 3, the Mach 4, and it would honestly look like they were introducing a brand new space machine. The lighting was super cool. The blades were cutting edge. Um, and you're like, it's just a razor. I don't know if I need my razor to have floating heads that gyroscopes technology that gives you the best shave ever. I don't know if I need the best shave ever. But the online market for razor blades barely existed a few years ago. Now it's moving up quickly. Uh, the sales of men's shaving gear in the United States have nearly doubled in the 12 months uh, that just ended in May to $263 million. That's 8% of the $3 billion market. It's a big surprise to people who follow the market. The shift in shopping habits has caught leader Gillette off balance. The brand's U.S. online sales are rising quickly, but rivals are growing faster. I shave on a regular basis, right? Amazon's got this thing that if you pick three items to be delivered on a monthly basis, they'll give you a 15% discount. I'm like, sure. I'll get a two or three razors sent to me. But then you look at, like, what the Dollar Shave Club is offering. It's not bad. Procter & Gamble has a lot to lose on this because they own Gillette, which owns 60% of the bigger... Shaving market, Um, and that's interesting of note. Title, do you remember, uh, and again, that story just goes back to millennials. Millennials, like, (laughs) I once dated a millennial, and it was fantastic. Uh, We're going for breakfast, and she goes, she asked the waiter, is the orange juice fresh? He's like, yes, it's fresh orange juice. And she goes, like, no, is it fresh? Is it fresh? Is it fresh? He goes, yes, it's fresh. She goes, no, is it like, Are the or- do you hand squeeze the oranges or is it in a carton? She wouldn't drink orange juice that came out of a carton. I was like, I so don't understand you. Now, now I'm starting to get it more and more. And people don't like going shopping. They can sign up for the Dollar Shave Club and get razors sent to their house in the mail. Fine. The boss of Jay-Z's music streaming service, Title, has quit. This is the second boss in three months that has quit. Facebook is edging up against YouTube on video ads and it's no surprise because Facebook really understands consumer behavior better than YouTube does. Have you ever been like, your kids are watching a a video? Let's say, I don't know, um, what do kids watch? Help me here, help me here. Um, A Barney video on YouTube and an ad will come scrolling across that is like planned parenthood make sure you know what you need to know i love you you love me you're like my kid's watching a barney video and he's getting told about unplanned pregnancies like what's
4: going on
1: here so facebook's doing better than youtube because they know the user a little bit better And it appears to be an advertising arms race between Facebook and YouTube, with Facebook gaining ground on its rival as an outlet for large companies looking to market their products with online video, which is growing. We know people are going away from televisions and moving towards mobile devices and laptops. We see it. I'm Ron Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Investing in more. Joining me now Patrick O'Hare Briefing dot com, Chief Market Strategist. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
4: Hey Rob, I'm doing well. It's nice to be back with you.
1: It's um good. It's it's good to we're starting to get to the point where you know, the Federal Reserve's talking about September and look at your calendar and we're getting closer to September and interest rates and finally some action coming down the road. Do you think that's going to be what happens um will there be action and do you think September might be the magic time for the Fed rate increase
3: hike?
4: Well, uh, yes, I mean that's been our um, our outlook for a while here is that we were projecting September would be the first time we would see a a rate hike from the Federal Reserve and uh, you know the comments we saw this morning from Fed Governor Powell who's um you know trying to set the table for a potential you know rate hike in September. I think we're gonna start hearing more Fed officials really come out and uh use that communication policy to the best of their ability uh and try and uh set things up so there's not a real surprise. But you know you're seeing some improving data obviously. Um uh, the home sales data of late's been quite encouraging and, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve is is obviously very anxious to, uh, to get that uh, Fed funds rate up, and they think all signs are going to be pointing to that September period as the first hike.
1: We're still playing with um, near all-time highs. Do you think that shift in interest rate policy when we do start raising interest rates, do you think that will be the catalyst to say, okay, we need a breather, no more new highs? Even if they're teeny tiny, you know, moves that we've had, Uh, through the first five months of the year, six months of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think the catalyst is going to – the drama is coming?
4: Yeah. Well, you know, it it is interesting, you know, in that we are hanging here right at the highs, really. And um, just what you and I are talking about, I think the market has a sense that this rate hike is coming uh, in the very near term here. um, And yet we're still, you know, at these highs. And so, uh, you know, I think that the the issue really for the market is going to revolve around whether the – Um, economic data continues to unfold in a manner that uh, validates what the Fed's actions are, uh, but doesn't validate it so strongly that the Fed's going to be seen as, you know, behind the curve here. Um, You know, there are some pundits out there who would argue that the Fed is already behind the curve. There are others uh, who think that, you know, it's best that, you know, uh, you let inflation rear its ugly head before you do anything, um, given, you know, what we've Come out of here from that uh, great financial crisis and the Great Recession, and so. Um, but it will hinge on really, uh, you know, as far as the stock market is concerned. I think um, the pace at which the Fed is forced to raise the Fed funds rate. Um, you know, it's talked about doing it in a very uh, measured, uh, slow manner, um, and has told us that it's, there's no guarantee you're going to see a rate hike at every subsequent meeting. Once it finally does raise uh, the Fed funds rate. Um, And so I think the market's getting a little bit more comfortable with the idea that, you know, the Fed funds rate, even after the first hike, is still going to be extraordinarily low, and it can tolerate somewhat higher interest rates, provided you're seeing, you know, encouraging uh, data come out in the economic reports.
1: Is the data that we're getting in the economic reports enough to calm the market? fear of higher interest rates making the cost of money more expensive making the easy borrowing easy reinvesting gone do you think we'll you know the economic data will carry us it's like will you and i be talking about this time next year like it's been such a great economic data run Mm -hmm. now we're looking for to cool off um (laughs) i don't know i I mean that's projecting
4: yeah yeah well you know a lot of that you know I think we'll come down to you know what's going on with with wage growth um you know because that's the type if you can get you know stronger wage growth uh that's that's you know leading to a pickup in aggregate demand because you know consumers are feeling better about their jobs feeling better about earning more money and so they're spending more and then businesses in turn are starting to invest more because of that consumer confidence um you know that that could be an you know an okay factor here you know um where where the market doesn't get too riled up about um you know the data getting you know um, uh too askew here to uh to really mess things up in terms of the market's thinking about what what's going on with with fed policy but you know that's been the missing ingredient uh really for the fed as it relates to its willingness and desire to raise the fed funds rate they're looking for Signs of progress toward that um, uh, toward their inflation target of two percent and they're they're looking closely obviously at, at wage growth in that regard and how it would contribute to that so um everything else though seems to be pointing to you know better economic activity. I think we talked about last week how the ingredients are there for a pickup in economic activity as the year unfolds um, seeing that you know you do have still low energy prices, you still have you know, rising levels of employment, uh, some modest pickup in wages. Um, uh, Eurozone seems to be getting better. Uh, so things are there uh, to, to produce some better economic data. But you know, again, uh, we need to see, uh, or the Fed has told us time and time again, it needs to see data that supports both sides of its dual mandate, uh, but particularly needs to be confident that we're seeing sustained progress toward their longer-run inflation target.
1: In your page one column this morning, you made a very slight mention of Darden restaurants. Um, I'm speaking with Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com, chief market strategist. Um, I look at Darden restaurants as kind of the lower middle class or maybe the upper lower class fast food or quality restaurant, quick service restaurant. I kind of see that as a good sign that the the engine of the United States economy is starting to work again and people are working enough that they go, Let's go to Red Lobster. Let's go out for food tonight. Um, Am I misreading that?
4: Yeah, I think that there's some some accuracy in that. I I guess, you know, I could counter with, uh, you know, a headline I saw on another website earlier today saying that, you know, basically 30% of Americans don't have any emergency savings. And so, Uh um, you know, what we do is we kind of live for the moment and we go out and we just, you know, spend uh yeah you know more money on eating out rather than saving more money um so you could say that there may be some some danger lurking in a uh um in a statistic like that but um but generally speaking i I would agree with your viewpoint that i, I do think it supports um you know signs of improvement uh you know in that middle Income strata, or you know, people feeling better about having some job security now, even if even if it didn't mean necessarily that you know incomes they were expecting a big pickup in income growth. If they feel good that they're not going to lose their job anytime soon, you know they get more comfortable about spending what they do bring home, um, and uh, and that shows up oftentimes in some of these uh, you know discretionary spending categories like like dining out.
1: I saw a headline, or I kind of started piecing this together, and I kind of want to get you out of your mode right now and into a different thought world. The whole Apple caving to Taylor Swift over the weekend, where Taylor Swift writes a letter to Apple saying, you know, shame on you, Apple, you've been such a great innovative company, how dare you not pay artists for the first three months? And then Apple coming out on Monday saying, you know, you're right, we're going to do exactly what you say. I sat on that story for about 24 hours, and now I just think it's a big piece of PR lie conspiracy that they got together three weeks ago and said okay here's what we're going to do we're going to look like bad guys you're going to come in and you're going to look like a super person and then we're going to cave to you everyone will love you we'll look like we did the right thing and maybe I'm just jaded Pat I don't know and you can tell me you're jaded but I don't look at financial media anymore I just see that 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 was a huge press release and now everyone's excited about Apple's release and I feel like we've been played Um, and you don't have to comment on that story but maybe some of the other stories like when you turn on cnbc or when you open the newspaper you're like that's not right that's not the- i'm just trying to help the l- the listeners out there
4: understand yeah it, at it, least objet- kind of how I, I make a living frankly <laughs> you know you see some of these um, stories that come out um that, are, that change by the the headlines anyway change by the hour based on the action of the market and you just sit there and you scratch your head and you know one of the things i'm you know i see today which is Baffling to me as to how excited the market is over the prospect of creditors reaching a deal with Greece, because if you take a step back and you look at what's at the heart of that, you know Greece is needing to borrow money from its creditors to pay the money it owes already to its creditors, and and yet that seems to be good for you know one percent two percent moves in these major equity markets around the globe, and it's just it's kind of just a really bizarre situation, but. Um, but these are some crazy times, and uh, you know and that's kind of a consequence, I think, of uh, you know monetary policies that are so lax uh, that people can rationalize some silly you know things very easily, and just you know go on to keep buying stocks on this premise that there is no better alternative right now than than higher yielding stocks. So it's a bit wacky, really.
1: And isn't that the premise of the United States debt? Don't we borrow money to pay off our borrowed money?
4: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, so it's, you
1: know, that's, it's a world of credit.
4: what's you know, at the heart of why the market doesn't react to, you know, so negatively, like I'm suggesting. You, know, you would think it might, but um, you know, uh, rational thought doesn't always prevail in capital markets.
1: Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist with Briefing.com, always giving us good insights. And I will throw him a slight curveball like that, where I was just looking at it. I was thinking... How smart do we really think Taylor Swift is? Did she really just change the music industry? That's the one of the headlines that I saw. And I was like, um, I just got very jaded with that. Just, uh, I just saw Apple as, you know, Pandora pays for the free period, Spotify pays for the free period. Of course Apple was going to pay. Um, I don't really believe that story. I mean, it's you got to be careful, very, 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 very careful. Very careful with financial media. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. TV work daily, and I'm going to jump on air in a couple minutes and talk about golf stocks because Jordan Spieth has won two majors this year. Uh, He's two for two. There was incredible drama. Very exciting. I'm not a golf guy, but you can get roped into this kind of thing. Um, Taking a look at Under Armour, they're a huge winner because they signed this guy, Jordan Spieth, after Nike said, yeah, we'll pass. Whoops! Uh, the fact that they got great ratings without Tiger Woods on the final day—that's good news. Good news for golf, which is good news for Callaway ticker symbol ELY, which is good news for Nike ticker symbol NKE. Um, I want to go as far as to say it's great news for the broadcasters, you know, whether it be CBS or Fox, whoever's got that major or, or tournament. But he's a likable Texan. Spieth is Dustin Johnson had uh, he had a a 12-footer that's you could sink a 12-footer without uh, maybe people like me and you maybe 40% of the time but pros can do it regularly but he three-putted it he not only didn't miss it once twice oh like and he had just had a baby recently with his wife uh, fiance, Paulina Gretzky. Yeah. So that means Wayne Gretzky was on the sidelines watching this unfold, uh, on the 18th green. Mm. But, I was looking at the, the cost of, uh, Under Armour, and it's really expensive. It's at an all-time high, or almost all-time high. So, do I like it? Yeah, because I think they do have some upside. Do I like it for the next year? No! Do I want a massive meteor to hit the earth and cause stocks to go lower? Sure. We need stocks lower in order to get good deals or you buy growth. You can, you know, steal value or buy growth. Um, Nike, all-time high today. How many times over the last 15 years have I told you I like Nike? Um, Too many to count. I could probably count on a 9,326-fingered hand how many times I've told you. Anyway, Nike's not cheap either, though. That's a problem. Nike's a big company. Under Armour's a small company. Nike's a big company. So if you buy them, you have to be patient. Right? Who wants to be patient? Raise your hands. Not me. Not me. We want instant gratifac- instant gratif- gratification, gratifaction. It's made up a word. If anyone wants to patent that, it's yours. I have the patent for gription and the patent for murderlated. I like the way that you stuck, say that. That stuff got murderlated. Papa John's is spending a whopping one hundred million dollars a year to remove artificial ingredients from its foods. Um, I see two stories there. Millennials are, are saying, "You know, if we want, if we're going to eat your crap." That you serve up, and I say that about Subway, Panera, Taco Bell, McDonald's. If you if you want us to eat it, at least make it as chemical free as possible. And I think that's great. Keep in mind, I'm the guy who goes to a Chinese restaurant and I order General Says chicken, double MSG, and they go double MSG. And I'm like, yes, double MSG. Read my lips. And if you could put some garlic sauce that has uh trans fats in it, all the better. Um I think he's kidding. He's kidding. Um eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. So, as an investor, you watch what people eighteen to twenty-five, eighteen to thirty-five do. Um and there'll be a new group that we start watching. We call the Millennials 18 to 25, 18 to 35, Millennials. Um, there's a younger version of a Millennial called a Centennial. So it's a younger Millennial. Um, and again, these are buzzwords and you may go, oh, that's just stupid. But if you look at the data that you know has been produced on the media habits of centennials, people who are age 0 to 18, their attitude to Snapchat is markedly different than Facebook. So there are generational changes. Facebook is the largest country on the planet in terms of users, but maybe centennials don't want that. They want destruction. They want to blow things up. And they go, we want Snapchat. They want to keep stuff away from the prying eyes of others. Um, So down the road, It'll be long live Snapchat, as the centennials will become the future kings and queens, princes and princesses. With that said, uh, I pay attention to this stuff, so you don't have to. You just have to listen to the show. If you want to be a member of the 10-Hour Club, I think that would be great. I don't have a 10-hour club, but I'll send you a membership for it. I'll send you a badge or something if you join the 10-hour club, which means you listen to both hours five days a week. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, the cycling world can't stop talking about a super-fast bike that's going into the Tour de France. The Tour de France. Do you think French people look at baseball the way we look at the Tour de France? So there's a new bike. Can you imagine there's a new bicycle? It's basically made out of Carbon. So it's super fast. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.